The coolest way to get through the summer heat is with a $69 AC tune-up from Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. $69 to make sure your air conditioning is working at peak cooling. Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. Because when you focus only on heating and cooling for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. And summer heat is when Vernon can show you how good with their $69 AC tune-up. Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. Online at vernonheating.com. Marco Hoyce. Tony Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hurtstown for Anthony Modest. Close. Not a bad idea. Hello everyone, my name is Carver and welcome to the BBB Podcast. Tonight I'm happy to be joined by Reese Edwards, a writer and football analyst at Good German Football News, BBB Buzz, and you can find some of his great content dissecting the game on his Twitter at underscore Reese Edwards. Reese, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be on here, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. And apologies for bringing you on at a time like this. Obviously, we were Hoping to record under different circumstances. Jake is unfortunately absent tonight, which isn't really the sad part, but um, also (laughs) obviously the unbelievably heartbreaking end to the 22-23 Bundesliga campaign for Dortmund. Uh, Hopefully everyone listening has had a chance to process and release some, I would imagine, very heavy emotions in a healthy way these past few days. Reese, how have you been taking the past week? Yeah, I think I, I imagine the the way I've taken it is in the same or similar vein to a lot of people where you initially are just feeling a massive amount of different emotions. You're angry, you're you're uh, you're obviously upset, you are you know, honestly shocked. I mean, I think it's it's ironic because even though a lot of other European football fans think of Dortmund fans as being used to this sort of thing, it this is on a totally different scale. Um I, I you know, I'm not. Maybe people 30, 40 years ago, maybe there was something that went on back in the day. I'm too young to have known that sort of feeling, but since I've been following the club, this is something that's brand new. Um, so I think it's gone from stages of just shock and not wanting to read too much into it because I, I felt like I got plenty of it. I didn't want to be a part of the bashing of everybody, but then, you know, seeing the quotes and everything um, slowly avalanche out of the club throughout the week um, from whether it's you know Sebastian Kale or whoever it may be. Sort of just trying to digest it and understand, okay, well, what does this mean going forward? Um, I try not to think back and you know try to determine whether this season was a blatant success or failure. I, I actually put that on my Twitter, but the point was obviously not to make it a black and white statement, but more just to garnish the general feeling from the fan base. And it's so it's hilarious because it was literally fifty fifty. Um, yeah, I saw that. Well, yeah, I, like right down the middle. I'm like, yeah, I, but I wasn't shocked. I'm like, that's exactly because I think that's what a lot of people thought. They're like, they there's so much good that happened this season from a from a supporter's perspective. There's so much good that Terrence did with some of these guys and improving their performances, and there's also so much uh, otherworldly disappointment at the same time. So it's really tough to determine, you know a blanket statement on the season. I think you really do have to look at it from a variety of different facets. 
Yeah, I'm a young yeah. lad as well. And I saw plenty of people online, including like Matthias Zouk, who's been a fan for a very long time. And he said he was, you know, this is hands down the most disappointed he's been being a Dortmund fan. And uh, it's, it's, you know, I've had some disappointing moments, of course, myself and for everyone else in these past few years. But this is, like you said, on a whole nother level. And watching the game, I usually am sometimes like angry with the way we play, especially like we did on Saturday. But this time, just from the minute the first goal went in, I felt my heart sink. And it just continued to feel like it was sinking deeper and deeper. I don't know how I've never like had that feeling almost like I've had my heart sink, but not continuously just (laughs) going deeper and deeper for an hour plus. And it was a lot. Of course, it's a lot for everyone these past few days. But yeah, let's 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 talk a bit about the Mines game. Um, of course, Jude is still unavailable for another unfortunate circumstance of this game. It would have been a great send off for him if, it, as it looks like he is out the door. Nothing is confirmed yet, but um, I mean, yeah, still unavailable with the knee injury. So we're rocking a four-five-one, uh, usually with the same mm-hmm. uh, back four that we've been having uh, in recent weeks with Rearson, Wolf, Sule, and Hummels. And then you have the midfield mm. trio of Chan, Guerrero, and Brantz. And then the front three that we've been talking about recently with Hilaire, uh, Rearson. No, excuse me, not Rearson. Why did I say Rearson twice? Eddie Yemi and Malin. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this lineup? Well, I mean, I definitely don't have any complaints on the lineup, that's for sure. I think it's a sensible one. I don't think there's any anybody that would have had a realistic complaint um, without the benefit of hindsight. Um and obviously, we'll get to that. It's, we'll, as we break down the game, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But I think going into it, there was no question this was the lineup to go with. And Terrors didn't really show any signs of budging from that. Obviously, he was sort of, you know, hands tied with the Jude injury situation. Um, but other than that, I really don't think there would be any other variation of it. And I, you know, considering how successful it had been the past few weeks, I don't see any reason why anybody would have been suggesting any different, you know, lineup. I completely agree. And, you know, with uh, it, it's just the beginning of this game, it, it, it felt different. I don't know if it's because it just every, I, we had a big turnout at our fan club and everyone around us was kind of starting to feel a little nervy at, at mm-hmm. first. But I guess I don't know if that was like a reflection from the players, but it just it felt very different from the start of this whistle. I thought we we're going to just go right at them you know, you know, try to put a foot on the neck real early and uh, and just pin them back because that's of course, that's what we've been doing at home this season. Uh, for 95% of the games, especially in these last few weeks. I mean, we had 14 goals in the previous three home games before that, so just lighting teams up. And the the players just mm-hmm. seem very unsure of themselves. And it, it just, I don't know if it was a combination of a whole, I mean, a few different things of an inexper- inexperienced manager uh, with the squad. I mean, for the most part, of course, uh, Terzik has won the Pokal with, with Dortmund, but... Um, just a very different vibe. I felt like, did mm-hmm. you feel like anything of the same from your end when you're watching this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, especially, I mean, the first goal, I, I don't, I'm blanking on the minute exactly that the first goal went in, but I know it was fairly early on. Um, but I think the thing that struck me most, and you mentioned your, the, the heart sinking feeling, I think when I got that is the first couple minutes following that first goal, not because of the fact that we necessarily conceded, yeah. but just seeing the body language and what rang in my head is I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I've seen this before. Um, this is the same look to an extent that I saw the first time we conceded at Bayern this season in that, you know, that 
horrendous route that we experienced. Um, I saw this initial shock, and I hate saying that because I think it's such a cliche thing that a lot of people like to throw out with Dortmund. It's that every time the pressure's on, they fold. And I would definitely say that's not necessarily true. Even this season, it's not necessarily true. But unfortunately, in arguably the two most high-profile matches of this season at Bayern and in the, you know, final game at home to Mines, I think that's exactly what happened. Can you, you mentioned the body language. There was just clearly something wrong. Um, and I think as Dortmund tried to respond to that initial goal, uh, with the exception of the, you know, Haller penalty opportunity that was missed, um, Dortmund really looked – uh, rushed in possession and and sort of out of ideas. Um, yeah. They seem to immediately resort to swinging the ball to Marius Wolf and having him, you know, just launch cross after cross into the box. And I, I guess I was just disappointed with how quickly Dortmund resorted to that sort of bland mentality of just, you know, hoof the ball in there and see if someone can get on the end of it. And I'm like, guys, we, we've got – you know, 70 plus minutes, 75 plus minutes to go here. Let's, let's play our game and, and feed the ball through the middle through people like Julian Brandt and uh, Guerrero and let them work through the middle and open up this defense. And I just didn't, I didn't see that happen. I saw initial shock and, and like I said, just, just rushed decisions and, and an aimless, <laughs> I don't know how many crosses we attempted in that first half, but it, it had to have been the most all season. Very well said. I'll tell you, overall, during the whole game, we had over 60 crosses. I think it was 62 this game. And my God, how Jeez. many of them were so aimless, too. And very disjointed, yeah. very detached and attack. This team was just super unsure of themselves. Again, uh, I, you know, it felt pre-World Cup Dortmund from the start. Just, yeah. uh, you just like the poor form we were at the first half of the season. It also felt pretty similar to a game against Paderborn in, 19, in the 1920 season under Favre. Uh, we just rolled over and let them walk into Westfalen and just make that, made us yeah. play their game, like you mentioned. And we went down 3-0 in the first half. And, you know, we did crawl back and, yeah. uh, and eventually win that game. But we just we just completely were switched off. And, and the circumstances that you're in for this kind of insane opportunity to clinch the Meisterschale, you'd expect... You know there are some te- there are some winners in this team. By the way, some people say like we need more winners, which of course I'm not, you know, uh, throwing that to the side and thinking that we don't. But we definitely already do have winners in this team. Hummels, of course, has won titles yeah. with both Dortmund and Bayern. Sule has won championships with Bayern. I mean, Hilaire too with the things he's went through, and and not only just also with winning with Ajax. So there, there's there's sure. a handful of people uh, that are proven winners in this team, and. I just I couldn't believe yeah the the mental fragility at at the beginning whenever we went one nil down, uh, I mean how yep. many three v threes four v fours or hell even how many times <laughs> were we just outnumbered in defense when they were coming at us and it was just shocking it was a shocking first half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was uh, even even before halftime, Dortmund. Once it was you know two nil, Dortmund really did start throwing everything they had yeah. in, in attack and my, my initial thought was it's, it's a little too early for this i know you you need goals yes but we've got a whole other half to play on it to be totally honest i think anybody who's honest watching that game dortmund very well you mentioned it they could have conceded two three goals off the counterattacks that they just fortunately didn't because mines didn't pick out the right pass or that final ball was just incorrect but on a different day dortmund could have shown themselves out the door in that first half it could have been three nil um I mean, and to me, that doesn't 
that doesn't ultimately come down to an overall lack of structure or game plan from Terzic. That's not where I'm trying to go with that yeah. because I don't think that's necessarily yeah. true. And I also don't think that anybody in anybody in that locker room thought to themselves, okay, well, this is what we need to do if we're down 2-0 early. <laughs> that's not in the script, right? So yeah. I think that there was just confusion. Um, there seemed to be you know, a lack of, not a lack of urgency or focus, just a lack of... Um, if anything, the opposite, just composure, just patience on the ball and doing what we do yeah. well. Um, and again, we, we mentioned it. We just, we went route one and that didn't work because mines had, they're playing a, essentially a five at the back with four midfielders clog in the middle. And they were just saying, please cross it. And we obliged. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and even before the second goal, I wanted to touch on the penalty real quick. Uh, Hilaire came up, and initially yeah. Chan was taking the penalty. He's he's been the penalty taker for this team for a, you know a little while. He he poked in here and there for the past like few mm-hmm. years, but he's really kind of asserted himself in that role these past few months. And Hilaire, I mean, yeah. he just looked like he really just wanted to complete his story of the season with that penalty. And I don't really blame him it, just with the form that he's in, and also his penalty yeah. step. I think if I'm not wrong, in his professional career, he's 27 for 27. Uh, so, I mean, he hasn't missed much of any. He hasn't missed any, wow. if, if least the stat is correct. But again, with just the confidence that he's been in, with uh, the, the form that he's been in, uh, you'd expect him to put that away. And unfortunately, it just, I think the nerves got to him. And a good friend of mine, Chris, uh, yeah. from the St. Louis fan club uh, for Dortmund, he mentioned how heavily momentum this base this team is. And when we get going, especially mm-hmm. at the start of games, we can steamroll teams uh, just you know from the get-go. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, if we drop our shoulders, we have that bad body language. If we have those setbacks like you know, not scoring the penalty, it is very, very tough to get things going. And it's just it's you know, it takes a while if sometimes it doesn't happen at all. So it just it was digging ourselves into a big, nice hole from those first yep. 45 minutes. And uh you a lot of people at halftime were thinking it's it might be too little too late, even if you did make changes, which right before we did, Adeyemi came off with a knock. Uh, he was pretty invisible already, though, those those 40 minutes. Uh, and then right after yeah. halftime, too, Mokoko came on for Wolf, which, you know, you and I mentioned already, he was whipping in as many crosses as he could, just crossing <laughs> and praying. And it was very predictable. It was very yeah. toothless. Uh, and not just from him, though. I mean, everyone was whipping in plenty of crosses that game. It's very aimless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what, anybody who watched that game will saw the the night and day difference of the just efficiency of uh, of Durinville crossing. I mean, my gosh, mm-hmm. like look at look at you, like how many successful crosses again? Like I I don't have the number pulled up, but I I am very confident that he at least put in more accurate crosses in probably the first ten minutes of his debut with the club than Wolf yeah. or Rearson or any other guys had in the entire game up until that point. Um, I mean, that's not just a, I think that comes down to a couple things. The kind of thing that comes down to, um, you know, there's clearly a, a, a individual threat there with the likes of Durhamville actually. And also Makoko actually put in a great cross to the back post that I believe it was to Haller who just unfortunately, um, yeah. scuffed it. I think the defender had like, uh, been pretty clearly in the line of sight, but the the central defender for mines just missed it at the last second. It probably caught Hilaire off guard, and he just missed it. But uh, point being, um, the crosses continued, but I think what made it so predictable and so easy is just that 
you can't be relying on uh, fullbacks who are not only going to cross it in, but they're also posing virtually no threat to beat that Mines fullback 1v1. So it just allows Mines to just gather and, and, and compress their shape even more, knowing that Wolf is not going to actually do anything other than <laughs> cross it in or play it back to Zula yeah. or Hummels or whoever it may be. Um, but yeah, to the to your point on the Hall Air penalty, I mean, I, I don't blame him for taking it either. I don't think, again, I think people in hindsight, they love to say, well, Sean should have taken it. Okay, that's fine. He, you know, he's he's been the guy, but I don't think anybody would have been betting against Sebastian Hilaire in that moment. I think the thing that was more disappointing was just it, he didn't look convincing in his in his penalty. Um, it didn't force a great save out of the mines keeper. It just was sort of a nonchalant, you know, uh, attempt to the I mean to the right, but not even to the corner. And it was a good height for the keeper to save, but uh, you know. I don't want to. I personally don't look back on this game thinking to myself, "Man, Hilaire, Hilaire really, you know, blew it in his in his big moment." I really, I haven't even thought about that for one second because I just think that has virtually nothing to do with the overall uh, flow of this match and the overall result yeah. of the game. Um, yeah. It's a missed opportunity for sure, but Dorman had other opportunities in that game um, before Zula's, you know, deep in stoppage time goal that gave us one last chance. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I wanted to take it back to Durinville real quick because I everyone around me, yeah. including myself, at the bar, there was a lot of people that they just all collectively went like, "Huh?" Whenever Durinville was getting up and getting ready to come on, <laughs> not because you know, right. what, well, I guess some were doubting his ability just because we haven't seen him play a single minute at the club yet. Uh, I've barely seen much of videos or even photos of him training until very recently, so I had no idea what we were in. That is a very really. unique situation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a very um, unique situation. I, I will I, not to interrupt, but that, that is something that's bizarre. Yeah, he uh, he shut us all up, and within a matter of two minutes, I think he he was he was pretty phenomenal. And and what a talent <laughs> we have for the next uh, season, of course. Hopefully, not a few, and then we you mm-hmm. know, immediately are getting rid of him, just like everyone else. But uh, if there were you know maybe right. two or three other positives in this game from the players, I mean, I thought Rainup did pretty well. Uh, he continues to prove himself having a slot in this team for next year and hopefully more years to come. I mean, sure. the kid is still 20 years old. Um, so, I mean, he's still very young. And even though Rain has been at the club for four years now, uh, getting himself involved <laughs> with uh, with the goal contributions. I mean, like you said, Sule's last minute uh, goal at the end. That was very nice. Suleño. <laughs> there's just not much to say about this game, is there? No, I mean, I think that, they, you know, that Dorman had their their moments. Um, I, I, as I like to do with a lot of Dorman's games, I try to pick out the things that looked really good from a tactical point of view. And I, there, the thing is that this is probably one of the the games where I've had the 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 most difficult time trying to figure out, you know, when there was necessarily any tactical shift. Uh, or approach that was any different. I think that once Dortmund went down 2-0, it was really just sort of a, you know, throw everything forward. And I, we, we talked about the first half counterattack opportunities that, would, you know, thankfully from a Dortmund's perspective were not capitalized on. But in that second half too, I mean, <laughs> I think it was before the 50th or 55th minute, we were already finding ourselves in situations where mines are counterattacking in like a 4v2 situation. And I'm just thinking – thinking to myself man it, like all it takes is one goal to put the nail in the coffin here i mean that there's no way three three nails happening so um yeah but the general flow of the game i just didn't really see much to it um i thought that 
Reyna did play well. Durinville's debut was fantastic. And what I was trying to say is how bizarre is that for a, a player to make his debut for the club in a, in such a moment? I mean, I, I don't know how many players have made their debut for their club in, in a title-deciding game in desperation. You know, that's just such a strange situation to be in. But, man, he played as well as he really could have possibly uh, could have done in that scenario. I mean, great crosses. I'm not really sure if his long-term future is actually going to be you know, strictly as a, a winger or a fullback. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's really featured as both uh, in his very short career, obviously being so young. But either way, whether he finds himself permanently on the wing or as a, a sort of wing back, he's, he's got some electric uh, 1v1 stuff. He got a good, a good cross in him. So that was very encouraging to see. But, um, you know, overall, it's just a bunch of, you know, scrappy opportunities through lofted headers that just – weren't connected on and that's really all we could muster yeah and uh it, the clock struck 90 and unfortunately we just couldn't do it i mean cologne had at times I, they pulled the game back and you know fans were going crazy for that i didn't hear it because again yeah. i was i was at a bar but i uh i heard online that it was announced at the dortmund stadium that cologne came back and tied that goal and if that's true i don't know how really beneficial that is just because already with the circumstances of, of some of our players being, I don't know, not mentally checked out, but just uh, super fragile sure. right now yeah. and um, not really be- being able to muster up anything. And then you get that kind of news and they stay yeah. back even more, unfortunately, instead of really trying to go for the jugular. Um, but you, you shouldn't be relying on Cologne to begin with. I mean, it goes to show you that time no. and time again, at least in recent years, that this team is not a team that thrives on being ahead. We're a team that thrives on, you know, catching Bayern from behind almost. But the second we get above them, then we just kind of fumble the bag, which is just, it's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And again, very heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. I mean, where do we go from here, Reese? (laughs) (laughs) That's a fantastic question. Um, I, I, I really do think that you have to look at this season in multiple phases. And I don't just say that because of the, you know, the incredible run of form that we were on in the second half of the season. I think that you have to look at dual realities being true. And I think that's what a lot of people don't want to do with, with looking at Dortmund. They want, for example, they, they want this season to just be simply categorized as a failure. And that means that every single thing that happened this season was a failure. Nothing, you know, nothing's good. The sky is falling and Bayern are going to be better next season, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that you can say that multiple things are true at the same time. I think you can say that if you obviously asked anybody, if you asked any of those players, was the season a success or a failure? Every single one of them is going to say it's a failure. And that's, that's fair because it was. But at the same time, you look at, okay, well, how do you recover from this? And what do you have going forward? Then you start dissecting the improvement of certain players under Terzic that clearly is a, is a bright spot. I mean, you look at the the rise of players like Julian Brandt and Emery Chan, who have just really, really improved their game. And even and later on in the season for, what, the last month and a half, maybe two months, you saw Daniel Mollen and a healthy Sebastian Haller come into form. And I think there's no reason to suggest that any of that stuff is going to change. You'd expect that to continue where it has left off in the next campaign. But at the same time, you Dortmund have to get better to challenge for the title next season because Bayern will be better. Uh, to be honest, RB Leipzig will probably be better. I, I expect them to be better. I mean, they're all they're. I, that's a story for another day. But I think Leipzig are are 
oddly not as efficient as I think they should be in the league. <laughs> they seem to love the Pokal, but they don't love the Bundesliga, which is a head-scratcher. Yeah. But not to get off on a different tangent there, but I think that what Dortmund need to do is, realistically, it seems like Jude Bellingham is leaving. I'm not going to sit here and try to play the prediction on where he's going specifically or any of that nonsense because I don't think anybody really knows that. Um, but I'm going to assume that he's leaving. If that's the case, I think that you need to look at ideally bringing in players that are maybe not veterans, but at least ones that already have first-team experience. So I love the change of pace that Sebastian Kale sort of made last summer where we didn't sign in uh, you know, five, six uh, different teenagers. We signed people like Nicolas Sula. We signed a... You know, Nico Schlotterbeck, who, while young, is very experienced, love, loads of first-team experience in the Bundesliga. I would love to see more players like that signed. Um, I don't think there's a one. There's absolutely not one player you can just plug in and replace what Jude does. Um, simply not possible. Jude is a you know generational talent. He really is. Um, that's just not something you can really look at. So I think Dortmund have to have a, a mentality of improvement there's a lot of good signs a lot of foundations that were laid and i think that people ultimately should be looking forward to what's coming for Borussia Dortmund i really do um but that has to be i think that has to be um supported with the mentality that look we had it in the bag and we blew it um we did not accomplish what we wanted to accomplish this season we had it versus mines but we wouldn't have been in that situation against Mines if we hadn't have done if if Bochum wouldn't have happened if Stuttgart wouldn't have happened if earlier in the season Werder Bremen didn't happen so on and so forth so you know I, I I just think there's so many different angles you can look at this but ultimately what Terzic has laid down is is efficient and he clearly has the the trust and the support from the locker room in terms of you know, his vision for what he wants to build. Um, I think you saw that with the second half form this season, the incredible, you know, record-breaking run of form to start the year. I think it was like 10 straight games uh, mm-hmm. with wins. I think that was, that was a club record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and again, I think there's just so many positive signs, um, but you've got to replace Jude Bellingham, not with another Jude Bellingham, but you got to replace him with, multiple first team ready players you, you gotta have you gotta bring in kids that are you know if they're 21 to 24 25 something like that that's that's fantastic but bring in players who are ready to contribute right now and don't just use 80 some odd million 100 million on a variety of teenagers that are going to be developing for the next four or five years i think that's a I think that's honestly sort of waving the white flag to Byron saying, well, we had it, we were close, but you guys can rebuild with superstars and we're going to go ahead and go with the, uh, the tried and trusted, you know, bring in the teenagers, sell them three years from now tactic. Yeah. Very well said again. And I think you could almost do a a little bit of both. I mean, we still go for the young player here and there. It's just, like you said, bringing in more experienced players. Another thing that Kale does great is great in is, he invests in players that are actually going to invest back into the club. So players like Sule, I mean, sure. he's not, he's spending these next few years in his prime and uh, wanting to chase yeah. titles. He, he wants to win silver in the very, in the very few, few days of when he was doing press, he said, I'm, I'm here to win and I'm, I'm here to uh, try to bring Dortmund to, 
uh, some silverware. And Schlotterbeck, I think, is another player that I can very well imagine him being here for, I don't know, eight, yeah. nine years. I don't think that's that crazy to say. I mean, Hilaire is the same way, not as of it, of course, with the length, but I mean, he is someone who's also spending his prime sure. in a club like this. So Kale, I think, has that vision that can look into players that actually want to solidify a spot here and not just, you know, use, <clears throat> excuse us, use me, use us as a stepping stone. And yeah, uh, going back to Terzic as well. I mean, laying out that foundation is exactly the reason he was hired to begin with. This was a, this was a manager that we were investing in, that it's a project that we are investing in. And that's something that's going to, you know, not take necessarily take off in the first year. I think everyone here was realizing that Terzic was not going to win the Bundesliga in his first year. It's just the opportunity came our way when we yeah. had this insane turn of form come the second half of the season, and 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 that and that aspect of you know bottling at the very end it is a failure. But if you were to ask those pl- those same players, that's you know that or the fans too that may say you know the season was a failure. If you were to ask them, hell, if you were to ask me in November right after the loss to Gladbeck, do you think you'd be challenging for the title on the day of and have it in your hands? I would have been like, I would have punched you in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah absolutely no I would, chance I would have, right i would, have, I would have not believe you no plenty of us were thinking we were it, we were going to somehow maybe salvage top four for lucky not to mention right you know, we're challenging for the title so uh you know not all hope is lost it's just a massive gut punch it's one of those things that just knocks the wind out of you and it's just just going to take yeah. a while for a recover and thankfully after a season like this you have a few months to do that because i <laughs> I kind of need a break from this club. I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was kind of an emotional wreck on Sunday. Yeah. I spent the last, I spent the Saturday, the day of uh, kind of distracting myself, getting out and getting, it was beautiful weather here. So I went and saw <laughs> some friends and, and they had the city game at night. But uh, yeah, the next day I it really started to sink in and I was like, wow, <laughs> we really did that <laughs> yesterday. Didn't we? Yeah, I was, I was, I was very similar. I, I, I pretty much had to get off my phone um, because I was very interested initially. I, I wanted to hear the post-match statements from, you know, people like Sebastian Kale at Interzich. I wanted to read all that, but, you know, it became pretty clear what I was getting, what, what we were all going to get. And I'm not saying it was wrong or embellished. I think it's just, I, I, as a Dortmund supporter, I feel for, someone like Edin Terzic and I, I, everybody saw those post-match images and stuff of him standing in front of the yellow wall and getting emotional and the same sort of stuff for like Marco Royce, Matt Hummels. I, my honestly, my initial reaction was I just felt sympathy. Um, yeah. I can't imagine being in the scenario. I don't think any Dortmund supporter can put themselves in that sort of situation. And as frustrated as I am with the, the end result. I never for a second thought to myself, well, this is a, you know, there, there was obviously no lack of effort. There was no lack of desire for this. There was almost, there was, there was more for that than anything else. I think it's just Dortmund clearly have a psychological issue when it comes to being put in a situation, like you mentioned, where they're actually expected to come out on top and win a high profile game and they're not chasing it and playing the role of the underdog. Um, and I think bringing in, um, you know, you alluded to pe- people who have experience in this club and, and proven winners. You're absolutely right. There are proven winners in this club. And I think that's a good, that's a good foundation to build on. Although you can't necessarily say you're building on a foundation of Marco Royce and Matt Hummels, given the fact that they're in the latter stages of their career, just their presence in the locker room is a huge deal. And I was, 
when you know over the past few weeks when we were people were questioning whether Marco Royce or Matt Tummels would extend their contracts and get that you know one or two year deal, I was personally on the inside. I was hoping and praying that would happen because I think it's absolutely crucial. Even if you're not going to be relying on Hummels or Royce to be available every single game, just having that presence in the locker room for a uh, mostly very young group. I mean, you've talked about people like, you know, Gio Reyna, Duranville. We're talking about, um, you know, under the age of 21 for a, a bunch of the squad. Yeah. Adiyemi, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is maybe 22, 21. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but the point is, yeah, so I think – I think you're just looking at this and you're thinking to yourself, um, let, let this all diffuse, but um, behind closed doors, I don't think that's the mentality that Sebastian Kale and and the likes are going to be having. I, I know they're they're plotting what they can do to not just repair the the, the void of Jude Bellingham. Because I don't think, again, I can't stress it enough, you can't do that. And you can't do it with three players. That's just not the point. You're not going to find a couple players that put everything together and, and replace what you provides. Um, I think what you, what you can do is you can look at the fact that your core is all is returning. And you mentioned players who are going to be at this club for a long time. And I think that's absolutely true. So you want to continue to bring in mostly the same, the same profile. So I know there's been a lot of rumors for players like Edison Alvarez um, mm-hmm. and, and players like that. I'm not sure which player, do, you know, Kale's ultimately going to pull the trigger on, but I think that you look at the fact that Dorman don't necessarily have a ton of holes that need to be fixed in the squad. I think it's just more of continuing the trend of building a, a squad full of players who want to be at the club to win the Bundesliga, who want to be at the club because that's supposed to be the pinnacle of their their career. That's the that's the mentality you want from players like Schlotterbeck, Nicholas Sula, you know, players who have a long term future also with the German national team. Um, and I think there's players out there, obviously, who are available. We're going to have the funds for it. Again, I think all signs are pointing towards the fact that Jude is is probably out the door. Um, I don't think that's really a surprise to anybody. Obviously, anybody who's been following Dortmund for more than uh, a couple months knows that that's that's inevitably where this was coming eventually. Um, and you know, no hard feelings there. But you know, it's time to move on from that, and it's time to start planning for how we can. Um, adopt a you know certain style of play that gets the best out of Sebastian Haller as our uh, full season as a number nine, and you know, continue to build on the electric play of Adiemi and Malin and stuff like that. I think there's just so many positive signs. Um, but you know what, Bayern are going to improve. Bayern are going to be Bayern. They're going to be ruthless. That's what they are, and that means they. I do believe they're going to be better. I don't think they're going to instantly return to the dominant Bayern of the you know past ten years, with the exception of the maybe the past couple, but. Um, they're not just going to sit here and, and take it. You know, they're going to go out and they're going to make their moves. And Dortmund, in my opinion, have to make they have to approach this with the same mentality. They have to be ruthless. They have to be willing to, um, you know, push people aside, so to speak. Maybe that sounds a little harsh, but you know, you gotta you gotta make your move when you have the chance. And I think Dortmund have an opportunity right now, not just because Bayern are weak, but because Dortmund are probably set up to be their best that they have been in years, regardless of how good or bad Bayern are. Yeah, and Bayern have already made a statement literally on the day they won the league of firing Oliver Kahn, their CEO, and their sporting director as well. So, you know, it, lest anyone forget right. that they 100% mean business every single day of the week, twice on Sunday. I mean, Bayern do not sleep. 
And yeah. if you want to compete for the title, you have to be better than them. And, and it's a near impossible task, just given with the, the financial backing that they have. And of course, just how well of a, a, a run a club they are, at least until maybe this calendar year isn't the best example of that. But I mean, just look at the past decade, really, of um, I'm just providing excellent football for just week in and week out. Um, so it's, it's yeah. going to take a lot. And uh, that's, you know, that's a decent segue. I'll take it. We had uh, some Twitter questions come in tonight. Actually, we had a lot of them. And uh, yeah. the first one, Chris kind of talked about or touches on what we've been talking about. Um, Chris from the Borussia F- STL fan group said, any rumors on the midfield depth transfers with Jude likely on his way out? I've lost track. Are Ben Zabaini and Kamada still coming in? Or are those rumors? With Royce and Hummels be- both being back, are they going to retain their captain duties? Or is it ha- time to hand it off to Koble? Um lot to unpack hmm. there, but uh, Kamada, if I'm not wrong, he looks like he's on his way to a Milan. I think those rumors kind of died out a while back. Uh, Benza Baini looks like it's pretty much a done deal, but I don't usually speak too much on this stuff on the show just until we you know, know, know for certain. Um, with yeah. Royce and Hummels, we would have touched on that. But like, yeah, like you said, having them in the locker room, being just options for captain as well. Uh, Jake and I have spent a handful of episodes in the past several months talking about like, man, who's going to be captain in the next two or so years? Because Jude doesn't look like he's going to be here. And with <laughs> Royce and Hummels at the time, you know, being questionable if they were going to extend or not, we're really looking at a bench of really some inexperienced players, whether it be at an age or just time spent here. So sure. Um, did you have any other uh, thoughts on this question? Or, Oh, I mean, you know, it, it, you kind of like, I, I don't really have much to add in regard to the transfers. I think, you know, what you said, Kamada seems to be one that, I know maybe, what was it, three or four months ago, it seemed like he was, uh, news was coming out that he was, you know, his camp was open to a move to Dortmund, but I think he's uh, clearly going to, to Italy. Um, from my understanding, Benz by Amy seems like it's it's all but confirmed. Um, that seems yeah. to have been consistent from day one where it's it's just been, you know, he's agreed personal terms. He's, he's set to leave, but just hasn't been officially announced yet. So I think that's going to be a good signing. Um, not just because Rafa Guerrero is leaving, but I think Ben Swayemi is just a good, solid um, uh, left-back option. That's that's really good. Um, also an improvement in the crossing category. Um, but uh, in regard to the captaincy, yeah, I mean, I can't – I'm not sure. When I think about it, I think of players like, uh, you know, Sebastian Hilaire might not be a bad option um, just because, you know, vet- veteran leadership, he's clearly – a guy who, like you said, is going to be spending his prime with this club. He's committed to the cause. Um, not a player who's looking to use the the club's a stepping stone. Um, so I'd, I'd like to think someone like him is a solid option. And maybe, who knows, maybe Nico Schlotterbeck develops into that sort of guy, you know, at the end of you know next season where he's clearly the long-term central defender, um, you know, captain. But uh, regardless, I think that, you know, like you said, Royce and, and Hummels are – if they gave them the captaincy to start next season, I wouldn't be concerned about it. I think they'd just be more of a, you know, some other guys are, are ready to step in their role, but maybe just not quite yet. Yep. I uh, got another one here from uh, De Brunstadt, BVB, uh, the Kansas City fan group. I'll kind of also mesh this with another question that was pretty similar of, uh, was this past season a flash in the pan or ex- are we expecting more for this next season's to come? And then TJ said, uh, is this season prove that Bayern Dortmund arms race for the title will be more competitive in the years, or is this just all the fluke? Which I'm imagining is kind of the same question. And uh, like, yeah, like you said, we yeah. kind of touched on it a little bit already. With Bayern are obviously going to improve, but we have some great positives going into next season as well. I think we have arguably the best number nine in the entire league, and I 
can't really think of too many options on the market right now that are uh, that Byron are at least interested in that I would maybe take over Halaire. I mean, call me crazy, but I don't know if I'd take sure. uh, Vahovic from uh, Juve over Halaire, and and that's the first thing that comes to mind for the signing that they're potentially interested in. Um, but there there are some things that we that we do have a slight hand on over Bayern. Um, it's just a matter of how do we act on this yep. summer. It is a vital and very very important summer. I cannot stress this enough. Even though we all need a break from the club, it is extremely important how we spend these <laughs> next month and a half or so with our business. I mean, if Jude is out the door, hopefully we've already had some plans stirred up. Like you said, Alvarez, I tweeted about just kind of how I'm a little bit apprehensive with him at the moment, just because obviously you can't even do a like for like with Jude. It's impossible, let alone two or three right, players right. I still don't think is enough. So I don't know with how much of a budget Terzic and the board is going to have this summer. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see these next few weeks unfold uh, after we lock down Ben Zabaini and then we could kind of go about um, these other smaller holes uh, in, in the squad because I know we, we still need some more fullbacks. Of course, we need a number eight and another number six. There's no way we're relying on Chan and Oz Chan taking us to somewhere that we didn't achieve this season. Um, sure. I mean, some people shouted some wingers. Uh, all of this will be short plug. All of this will be on a big survey, season review survey uh, that I'll be posting out in a few days here for everyone to participate in. But yeah, um, is there anything that you ha- or any thoughts you had on this, Reese? Well, I thought I think the, the what you said about Sebastian Heller being the best in the Bundesliga, I think that's spot on. Um, I, again, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in this like specific category, but I, from what I understand, um, and I did see this break out especially today that Kolomawani seems to be not as locked into Bayern as some people thought that he was over the past few weeks. Um, yeah, I think he's, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he was holding talks with uh, Manchester United. And I really think that, and also PSG, I think there's a bunch of clubs. I mean, a lot of people will be interested in him. And to be totally honest, as good as Kolomawani is, and I really don't try to be, you know, sound so biased with this. I really think that he's a fantastic talent, but I'm not sure if, even if Bayern signed him, that I would necessarily be, um, saying to myself, well, Byron just won the transfer window and now they clearly have the, you know, have all the tools they need. Totally. He's not a direct replacement for he's not a Lewandowski. He is a very talented player, but he's also um a guy who I it clearly is getting a lot of interest from other clubs. I'm not sure Bayern are going to be wanting to pay the money that's required to get his signature. Um if there's anything that we know is that Byron Bayern are much more hesitant to spend the ridiculous fees that the clubs like United, PSG, Real Madrid are. Yeah, and some would argue he's not even a pure number nine as well. I mean, uh, this isn't necessarily a knock fair. on him, but just his 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 play uh, play style is you know he's got a lot of assists this year, so it's it's goal contributions on both yeah. ends of of scoring and also assisting. So. Um, I don't know if necessarily that would it's it could be I'm not saying he wouldn't be as bad, but it's it could be a similar situation with Mane. I mean, he, Mane can kind of play both of those. Sure. But is he like a pure number nine? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a, another question for another day. But yeah, very interesting how Bayern also respond this summer as well. I think it's important that they get things yeah. right with, you know, having new members down at the top and in the, just with a new manager. It's just a lot of things for them as well. Um, we'll do like yeah. one or two more here. I have a question here from Jesse Y asking, is it time to sell Reyna or Brandt? Uh, excuse me. Is it time to sell Reyna or sell Brandt and give Reyna more time this next season? Uh, well, so first of all, I'd say 
Absolutely do not get rid of Julian Brandt. That'd be my initial response. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I thought Julian Brandt was absolutely fantastic this season. Didn't have his best game against Mines, but to be totally honest, nobody, nobody in that club had a great game. That, um, that was just a, that was a a collective collapse. But I think if you look back on players of the season, to be personally, I would say Julian Brandt was, with the exception of just the general brilliance and efficiency of Jude Bellingham and just all the different areas of the game that he makes an impact on, I would say that Yulin Brown was the best thing after that. Um, I, yeah. His improvement was remarkable. I think that he's always shown the flashes. Everyone's already, always seen those, you know, those little glimpses of, uh, you know, incredible line breaking passing and the, the, the just intelligence and the passing ability, the goal scoring ability, but he really put it all together this season um, I remember over the winter break, a lot of people were even saying stuff like, "Oh, and Arsenal want him," and all these prem, you know, Newcastle want Julian Brown and all this stuff. And while I don't think that's happening at all, I have absolutely no doubt he's going to be at the club next season. I I would not be looking to do anything but build around a player like Julian Brandt. I, I know that's tough because the question is, well, at some point, Gio Reyna needs to be getting consistent playing time. I absolutely agree with that, but at the same time, you know, I I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that there is a position in that starting 11 with the system Terzic plays that says Giorena is a nailed on player for this role. He definitely is not. uh, And I definitely don't like saying this because of the whole drama with the U S national team, but he's not a player who's going to provide a lot defensively. (laughs) He's just not. Yeah. Um, So you've got Adeyemi, you've got Mullen on the wing. Those those are ready-made wingers. And while I think Gio could play that position very well, he could also play Yuli Bronze's position very well. I just don't see how someone with such an uh, incredible turnaround and putting the whole package together in the way that Yuli Bronze has, I don't see how you move that out of the way for a talent like Gio Reyna, who, while talented, is also you know very injury-prone and very inconsistent when he's played as a starter. I know that didn't happen a lot this season, but over the past couple of years, he has done so. And I just think that with Giorena, that's a tricky situation. I don't know if the club's necessarily looking to ship him off to Juve and some of that stuff I've been seeing, but I definitely think at this point, it looks like the club's going to hold on to both. And I would definitely be looking at the long-term stability and, and foundation that Yulin Brown provides and just see where, Reyna goes next season. I mean, hey, we know how many injuries Dortmund get, right? <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. So Reyna's going to get his minutes. He's going to get his shot. Well, I don't want someone like Yulin Brown or Marco Royce to get injured again, but at some point, Reyna's going to get his chances. Yeah. I've said it a dozen times on this show since we've had Brent, but his he's just got a Modric glide to him on the ball, and it is just so yeah. sexy to watch. And uh, I don't have to get into because I've also said probably a dozen times this season how he's just completely done a 180 <laughs> on his entire game with, you know, his defensive efforts. Yeah. Now he's actually pretty aggressive. He throws himself into tackles. I really hope I'm wrong, but I, I just don't personally see Reyna being someone that wants to learn and like grow like that. I think he'd rather just kind of improve on the on the uh, aspects of a sure. game that he already thrives in. Um, but again, maybe maybe I'm wrong. A few years down the ride, the kid's only 20. Uh, and Branch certainly didn't have that at, at his age, but um, I, sure. I keep both of them. I mean, I, I build around both of them, like you said. We definitely need some yeah. more players in the midfield as well, not only with just like the uncertainty and the depth that we're going to have next season, but also just with how injury-prone players are, Reyna being one of them. I mean, Brant picked up a pretty decent one too this spring. So again, man, yeah. it's going to be quite the summer. It's going to be quite the eventful summer, <laughs> whether... 
whether we lose or, or get whoever, it, I'm not sure yet, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, Reese, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, man. It was great chatting with you. Is there anything you'd like to tell the audience, plug, whatever, by all means? Well, no. So like I like I said, I really appreciate you having me, man. I think that you know, if anything I just say to Dorman fans out there is, you know what, that it's there's a lot of positives to build on. I know it's really difficult to feel inspired or positive after what just went down, but you know, we just put together one of the most, if not the most successful, you know, half of a season in man. I don't know how many years since I've been following this club. It's been a long time. We, yeah. It was dominant for a lot of it. And there's a, there's a reason why it was dominant. That's all I'm trying to say is it was not just pure luck. You don't win 10 straight games like that from just, yeah. you know, Terzich not having any tactical approach and just kind of throwing Haller out there and seeing what happens. That's just not how it went down. There's a lot of good things to look forward to in this club. And I think that while Bayern are going to improve, I think that, again, Dortmund – should not be considering what Bayern's doing. Dortmund need to be ruthless and attack the transfer window because they themselves are in a great position for the next, you know, two, three seasons. And they're really, they've got the, they got the, the tools at their disposal. So let's see how they use them and hopefully it works out. Yeah. Just again, a very, very interesting summer. Um, if hopefully if, if you haven't had too much time to process these past few days, anyone that's listening, hopefully this was somewhat of a, a decent therapy session for you to, to, to vent a bit and to talk about obviously uh, just the very important summer coming up in the next season. I'm for one, you know, win or lose this last game, it's still very excited for what we can build upon here. Uh, keep in mind, remember we tied on points with Bayern. So it's not like, you know, we were even just behind them. We were right there. It's just, unfortunately just didn't get uh, across the finish line. And, and Saturday did not cost us. Yep. It was, like we said before, it was against it was against Schalke that cost us. It was against Stuttgart. It was against Bremen. Absolutely, uh, right there. I mean, the, the, the race should have been over even weeks ago, but nonetheless, yep. can't change anything now. Just need to look forward and uh, trust the club and trust the project that that Terzak has uh, put in place. Reese, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I found Reese on Twitter. Uh, a few months back, and I, I genuinely love his work. I love, again, how he dis- dissects the game. He's got some great analysis. Um, I'm usually actually going to his page to kind of look at some stuff after a bunch of different games. So uh, happy to have you on. We'll have you on here in the in the future as well if you want. And um, everyone keep an eye out for Absolutely, that survey man. again. I'll, I'll throw it out here in the few coming days. And we'll Jake and I will probably take a week or two off, and then we have another guest coming on after that, and we'll go through the results of the survey. And then we'll uh, finally enjoy the summer. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Reese, any other words? Hey, man. Just just distance yourself from the game. That's all I can say. <laughs> Take a walk. Play a pickup game. Watch some dormant highlights, but just not the ones that happened in the past you know, week or so. All right? Just take a deep breath. It's all going to get better. <laughs> all right, everyone. Take it easy.